The Global Road Safety Podcast is sponsored by Smith System, celebrating 70 years of impacting road safety around the world. Find us at drivedifferent.com. Smith System. Drive different. Save lives. With safer vehicle design, driver assistance technology, and mountains of data available from monitoring devices, why is it that vehicle crashes and deaths continue to rise? According to the World Health Organization, on-road injuries are among the leading causes of death worldwide, especially in low-income countries. With more deaths, more injuries, and billions of dollars in annual costs, what can drivers and the companies that hire them do to keep our roads safer? Welcome to the Global Road Safety Podcast. I'm Tony Douglas. Today's episode features our new co-host, Nathan Hansen. Welcome, Nate. Thank you, Tony. Nate has a soothing radio voice, is a tenacious researcher, and I'm proud to work with him at Smith System. Nate, who's our guest on this episode? Hey, thank you for that intro, Tony. That was great, and I'm so excited to be here. This is uh, this is a great opportunity to join a, a just a fantastic podcast. Tony, I'm really excited about our, our guest today, uh, Dr. Mohamed Navid Dahir. He's an assistant professor of public health at the University of Punjab. And if I were to list all of his academic credentials, I would be talking all day. The list is as long as your arm. Just as a high level touch on the, on the big things that he's done, he studied for his PhD at the University of Queensland in Australia with heritable diseases. He's especially done work with HIV, hemophilia, and thalassemia. But he's also done a lot of work with road safety. He's completed work for the Global Road Safety Partnership with Geneva and, like I said, Johns Hopkins University. He's also done work drafting Pakistan's national road safety policy guidelines and especially focusing on motorcycle safety, pedestrian safety, and the five pillars of road safety. Now, we had a great interview with Dr. Tahir. He really, really knows his stuff, and he's super passionate about making Pakistan's roads safer. And we're going to be talking a lot about police response and emergency services because he started his work with Rescue 1122, which is the emergency service in Punjab, the uh, the province that he's based in over there. He's also done a lot of work promoting public health with UNICEF, UNIFEM, and the World Federation of Hemophilia, and also the WHO and other UN organizations. One of the things that he really specializes in also is accident prevention and analysis, and we're going to be talking a lot about that today. So without further ado, let's get into our interview with Dr. Muhammad Navid Tahir. Welcome to the Global Road Safety Podcast, Dr. Naveed Tahir. Yeah, thank you very much for taking me on board, and uh, so nice of you. And uh, Dr. Tahir, if you could maybe start us uh, on this journey this morning or today with some uh, background on how you became involved in road safety. I was in, involved in road safety back in 2010, when actually I joined uh, an EMS service in Pakistan that is called Rescue 1122. Rescue 1122 actually the an EMS and the rescue service in uh, uh, one of the largest provinces of Pakistan in Punjab. So I joined as an emergency officer research in Rescue 1122 in 2010, where my main responsibility was to actually 
to uh, analyze the injury prevention data, the EMS data, you know, the ambulance data and the road crash data. So that was actually, actually the uh, motivation and actually the my very start, you know, the interest in this area when I started analyzing the road crash data and uh, when I saw that this is a huge problem actually because, you know, um, being a one of one of the uh, fifth largest country in the world, Pakistan, with large population and the majority of the actually the people uh, commute on the motorcycle and the most of the young people actually involved in the road crashes. So that was actually the my starting start career with the in this area and then goes on actually. Then I actually had the scholarship from the Center for Accident Research and Road Safety, Queensland, University of Queensland, Australia for the PhD. And then I actually studied my, completed my PhD from the QUT, CARSQ, one of the, which is one of the leading center in the road safety research area in the world. And I, so far I have around 17 road safety publications in different areas, starting from the basic epidemiological of analysis of the road crashes and also the very uh, touchy topics such as the one wheeling among the motorcyclists, pedestrian safety and so on. And back in uh, 2009-19, just before the onset of the COVID-19, I was fortunate to actually I have attended a global road safety leadership course at the John Hopkins University, USA. So uh, this was also a very uh, honor for me to attend this course and I'm, I am also affiliated with the, one of the uh, leading organization in the road safety such as GRSP, Global Road Safety Partnership Geneva. I was also part of the team who actually drafted the National Road Safety Strategy for Pakistan back in 2019 with the assistance of uh, Asian Development Bank. So this is my brief uh, road safety profile you can say. That's fascinating. I'm uh, very impressed with kind of the breadth of knowledge uh, from your education in Australia and your work both through uh, uh, Johns Hopkins. Perhaps you could talk a little bit more about some of the work that you've been doing, perhaps through either the United Nations or the World Health Organization. And then it would be interesting for us to, to kind of narrow our focus down into exactly what's going on in Pakistan. Yes, uh, one actually, one my major work which I mentioned actually, uh, I am the part of the, that team who actually drafted the National Road Safety Strategy or Policy for Pakistan. And particularly, uh, I am myself with uh, Mr. Keith Kelly from the UK, who actually drafted the National Road Safety Guidelines for Pakistan uh, on the post-crash response pillar of the road safety. And um, recently, I have also completed a project with the Johns Hopkins University as well as the WHO, uh, wherein we actually have actually uh, provided the technical support to draft the Road Safety Act of Pakistan. That is actually, you can say, the continuation of the road safety strategy, which we drafted in 2018. And now the, we are at the stage of the Road Safety Act that will be actually legislation to enforce this road safety strategy in Pakistan. So uh, my recent work, you can say, with the John Hopkins and the Asian Development Bank and the WHO as well. 
Okay, so you've got this Road Safety Act. So I assume that your research into the road safety in Pakistan has had a significant impact on that. Could you talk about some of the factors that have gone into that research, the sort of things that are contributing to the issues that you're trying to resolve and what is being done to prevent those? Yes, if you want, if we discuss about the Pakistan and the major road safety issues in Pakistan, the first thing that we actually, the problem is unfortunately, still we do not have any road safety lead agency in Pakistan. Though uh, it, it was established after the uh, National Road Safety uh, Strategy in 2018 then the Ministry of Communication in Pakistan, but, but still it is not act active actually. It is on the paper, but not active. So the major problem that we are facing that we actually the large population and uh, we have actually every year around uh, 30,000 people die in Pakistan in road crashes. And if you talk about the global burden of disease, uh, in uh, but according to global burden of disease, this figure is around over 52,000 in fact. And the, with the fatality rate of around 26 person die uh, per 100,000 populations. So uh, the currently the, the, the problem which we are facing that we do not have any road safety system in Pakistan and any needs road safety agency in Pakistan that could work around the, all the five pillars of road safety such as road safety management, uh, safer roads, safer vehicles and uh, safer road user and the post crash response. If you talk about the different contributing factors that are actually uh, uh, that cause road crashes in Pakistan, so leading factor is the major population. The population is the fifth largest country, and the second major major factor is uh, we do not have the uh, very well integrated and quality tra public transport services. That's why the people have to rely on their private vehicles. So. Uh, there are a large number of private vehicles and there is a mixed traffic actually. And the majority of the around 70% of that mixed traffic are the motorcyclists and the young people most of the time. And we also have the non-motorized vehicle as well. So in, in the urban areas, most of the time there is a mixed traffic and people do not really follow the lane, you know, traffic lanes and the motorcyclists which supposed to drive on the left lane, but they always filter into the right fast lane. So that is the major cause of the road crashes, you know. So you can imagine the severity of the problem, uh, pub this public health and development issues in Pakistan that every day around 1000 road crashes occurring in Punjab only, where rescue 1122 is responding only. And the rescue 1122, which is a EMS service in public funded EMS service in Pakistan, that only operates on the urban areas and the urban roads. And what about the rest of the crashes, which are actually not recorded anywhere? About the 65% rural population of Pakistan. So you can imagine the sensitivity and seriousness of the issue. In fact, you can imagine that with the COVID-19, still we have around 30 thousand deaths in last two and a half years since the onset of COVID-19. But in Pakistan, every year we lose around third, minimum 30,000 lives in roads, in road crashes. So you can see in single year and in altogether in COVID-19 last two and a half years, we have lost around 30,000 people. 
I'm mean, not talking about the death is death, whether regardless of the uh, cause, but, but the problem is we do not actually identify this as a public health issue in Pakistan. Political support is not there yet and uh, the ownership is not there to, to this, this significant issue. So unless we recognize the urgency of this issue, we cannot tackle this problem actually. But fortunately, uh, we had actually uh, developed the road safety uh, policy and we have uh, also a road safety act now to so hopefully uh, once it will be implemented across Pakistan so the conditions will gradually improve. Obviously the challenge is enormous. It sounds as though with all five pillars of road safety, the, the generally accepted five pillars of achieving road safety, it sounds as though you have tremendous challenge in each one of those. Where do you place the priority? Where do you begin to, to tackle such a large opportunity for improvement? So in this area, where to begin with, uh, the most, um, the good thing in that, uh, that I, as I already mentioned, that we have the policy now and we have legislation now, and hopefully it will be approved by the cabinet and it will be uh, enforced uh, in the country as well. So uh, the first thing that we have wrote for the policy, so the second thing where we, we, we have a plus, if you do the SWOT analysis, the second thing that we have a very good post-crash response system in Pakistan, at least in three provinces out of four, in Punjab, Khyber Pakhtunkhwa, and uh, Kashmir uh, as well. So we have the very good post-crash response system uh, that is called the Rescue 1122 in Pakistan. So we, which I the, from that uh, organization, I mentioned the figure as well that they are responding to around 1,000 road crashes in Punjab every day. So on post-crash response, we have some work already. The second pillar uh, about the safer vehicles, we have actually implemented the vehicle inspection system. Actually, we have some best practices from the Sweden. So this system is called the VIX vehicle inspection system. And this is already implemented in Punjab in, back in 2018. And so we are start, we have started the vehicle inspection at the uh, very good, at very good standard now. Before that, we do not have any uh, very good ins vehicle inspection system. On, but on the rest of the three systems, we need to work on. The rest of the three pillars we need to work on enormously. There's a lot of area need and there are a lot of gaps there. So we need to uh, work on the, all those area. But the first thing, we need to establish the road safety agencies at the, all the provincial level as well as the national level. So th those agencies would work on the, all the pillars of the road safety. And um, on, on, the, on the top of that, we also need to work, we also uh, work on the, we, on the re real data and also research. So um, I'm, I'm also working on that. I am recently also joined the, one of the largest public health uh, university in Punjab that is called the Punjab University as a, a public health uh, academician. So, so we will also promote the public health research in that uh, department as well. So altogether, all these, when we work on all these um, aspects, so ultimately, gradually, the things will improve, I hope. So it sounds like you have government buy-in and you have buy-in of the academic community and also the healthcare community. You mentioned that, uh, that your emergency response is, is very, very strong. Very, yes, very, we have. 
So how are the citizens, how is the general feeling uh, of cooperation? Are, are the, the drivers, the citizens in Pakistan ready to take on board additional training and other types of opportunities to improve the situation? Uh, th- th- this is very tough task, actually. The, the, the lack of awareness is, is a big issue, actually. And it's very difficult to actually to actually the modify the behavior and the train the people in this area. Because actually, uh, I, as I mentioned already, that because of the large population, like uh, such as Lahore, which is the second largest city of Pakistan with around 100 and uh, about 10, 11 million population, traffic is very busy. So people actually are not very, you know, the, uh, educated about the road safety and they are mostly impatient on the road. So this area requires a lot of effort, I would say, uh, in fact, in terms of road safety awareness, because currently there is not any single uh, dedicated institute which is actually the imparting the road safety education and training. There are uh, also, uh, there are few uh, actually the government and driving the sensing actually the systems which are offering the uh, some form of uh, driving the sensing training as well awareness but that are not to up to the par uh, standards that should be actually so reforms needed to actually strengthen those institutes road safety awareness institute driving the sensing system so this area requires a lot of effort actually so and this is uh, what actually the situation is actually and now you've done your work with uh, Rescue 1122 for several years now. And I would imagine that over the years that you've worked with them, there's been continuous steady improvements. Let's say that another country in your region, say Bangladesh or perhaps even Uzbekistan, were to come to you and ask for your key lessons from your work with Rescue 1122 and improving their own emergency response units, what sort of things would you say to them? In terms of learning, I would say that even the countries with the lowest you know, finances, uh, we can actually develop the systems like the Rescue 1122. At least we have the good post crash response that is actually the integrated system of post-crash response as well as the other kind of they are also attending the other kind of emergencies and disasters as well so i think major learning from this system is that if we have the uh, good system uh, pre-hospital crash systems ems system that we can have a very good real-time good quality data on the road crash and uh, with that data actually we can actually inform the policies and the development products, you know, to initiate to initiate and the work on the across all road five road safety pillars of the road safety. So I think the uh, establishment of system in the uh, middle income country as well as with the uh, with the low finances and also with and the, uh, to have a, a good uh, road safety data. Uh, I think the the best uh, the learning from this system that can other countries also learn from such countries also learn from. Uh, this system, I think. So, Dr. Tahir, as we think about the effectiveness of UN programs, WHO programs, and even thinking out to uh, commercial entities, businesses that might be involved in helping road safety in emerging markets, perhaps even other NGOs, who do you think is doing 
a really good job right now in uh, assisting you and helping you in your efforts? Are there outside agencies who, who are contributing and helping you in this effort? As far as the NGOs are concerned, uh, there are not much work of the NGOs in Pakistan, but actually uh, the main, you know, the leading agencies such as WHO and the UN and the ADP, these uh, kind of agencies are working with a close collaboration with the government. But in this sector, there is a quite room for the NGOs, I think, uh, like the work like you people are doing. So especially in the in terms of the road safety awareness. So I think there is a big room for the NGOs to actually do because it's a big, big, you know, the play, uh, for the uh, large number of the road safety users in the big population. And uh, the, as I mentioned, so road safety awareness is the key challenge for us. So we need actually the those kind of agencies such as you to work on these issues. So I think there are uh, plenty of opportunities and uh, to build up the co collaborations. And we are also uh, trying to actually, uh, in the same line, we're trying to actually to collaborate with the Global Road Safety Partnership, Geneva, that is al already working in the developing countries. We are also trying to get connected with them to, uh, to initiate some programs in Pakistan as well. So we also look forward to actually to collaborate and work with other uh, such NGOs and uh, non-governmental agencies. Yeah, are there any particular or specific initiatives that you think would be very helpful to you? If you had, I guess a phrase we use, a wish list, if you will, if you had a couple of things that you think would make a really big difference, if you could get some help from outside of Pakistan, what kinds of things would those be? I think we need to strengthen our institutes, I think the driving the sensing system and you know the police, uh, traffic police in, in the area of the road safety. I think these would be the uh, most crucial two areas where we actually need the external assistance because these uh, two areas where they are not the very much actually the work have done in Pakistan. So we, we actually need in those system and also in the vehicle safety as well because vehicle are not uh, road safety compliant in, in most of the vehicle that are actually imported in Pakistan or assembled in Pakistan. So you can say in, in, in all these three areas we need assistance and also in, in terms of uh, road safety infrastructure such as the road safer roads because we do have the uh, Lord, uh, large infrastructure uh, road setup, but uh, they are not actually the road safety worthy. They do not, we do not have the road safety audit or the black spot audit system in place. So in these, all these areas, we need actually the technical assistance, I think. So if, for example, training and awareness tools were available to you translated, in the uh, in the appropriate languages, how is the uh, current internet accessibility? What's the situation in terms of the majority of the drivers? Do they have the ability to access technology so that they could take training or awareness uh, modules? Uh, if you talk about the commercial drivers, I would guess they would not have much access to the uh, latest, you know, the online resources or the platform to have such kind of awareness but as well as the, uh, the public private commuters or the public 
or vehicle owner is concerned, general public is concerned, they, they, they have actually access to all these kind of latest online resources and uh, I think that, that would be the target audience to, to, to start with. And uh, for the commercial drivers, we talk about the, uh, the commercial drivers which are working with the multinational companies, they can also be the audience for the, this kind of you know, the awareness avenues. So you've talked about public transportation, about interactions with private drivers and commercial drivers. You talked about police awareness and driver technology. And these, these are all things that are on your, as Tony said, wish list of things that you would like to see uh, get into the, into the atmosphere in Pakistan. You think that that would improve uh, the, the road safety there, even as Pakistan is, is emerging as a growing nation and as, as an emerging market. What would you say would be the 1% improvements that could be implemented tomorrow if you were dictating policy? The things that could make the roads just that much safer. And I'm thinking about things like here in the U.S., we have pedestrians who violate crossing the road rules all the time. And if we could stop that tomorrow, we would instantly drop our fatalities uh, on our roads. Um, what sort of things would, would you institute? I would just uh, start, I just, one initiative I think would make a big difference in, in the happening of road crashes in Pakistan. If we just separate the motorcyclists, just dedicate them on the left lane, just do not... It should not mix with the other traffic. With this single intervention, we can, I think we can prevent 50% crashes straight away. My goodness. This is the very cost-effective intervention as if already implemented in countries such as Malaysia. So, and a very good result are there about straight away the reduction of the crashes as well as the fatal injuries among the motorcyclists, about 30 to 40% straight away fatalities. So I think this uh, lane, motorcyclist dedicated lane are the very good intervention in countries such as Pakistan, where we had uh, about 70 million motorcycle commuters. And if we could talk about the motorcycles for just a moment more in Pakistan, generally, what sorts of drivers are on those motorcycles? Very young people, even the kids start driving motorcycle, riding motorcycle around 10 to 11 years of age. Wow. <laughs> This is a podcast, so you can't see my face, but my jaw is, <laughs> is very low right now. Yes, and if you, uh, I think if I would do the survey right now in Lahore, about 20-30% would be under 17 years of the age, the motorcyclists. I would show, I am sure, about 30-40%. to 40%. So I assume there's no licensing program, there are no requirements that, that those young people... No, there is a requirement like the other countries have that we have the, um, the um, departments that like the traffic police and the National Highway Motorway Police, which actually the govern the uh, driving licensing system. But the enforcement is not up to the mark because there are very limited, you know, the human resource that the traffic police and there are the millions of the vehicles on the road like in Lahore. So how can you regulate all those vehicles? It's a very difficult task actually. Because in Lahore, I'm uh, around there daily about 1.5 million motorized trips, 1.5 million motorized trips every day in Lahore. And we just have around 1500 plus officials to control that 1.5 million motorized trips. So can you, how can they regulate such a large traffic? 
so it's impossible to check everyone. So that's the, that's the problem that we cannot actually control these uh, figures. We cannot control the, actually the even the helmet wearing rates. You know, even in the uh, hot season, where most of the time it is the hot season in Pakistan, about six months right now going on. So there is almost uh, less than 10% uh, more uh, helmet wearing rates among the motorcyclists. And in uh, cold weather, there is little bit more over 10%, but normally in hot season, less than 10% you will find. And that's the reason there is around, out of total injuries, around 10% are the head injuries. That often leads to the deaths or permanent disabilities. And there are, there are the, among the most productive uh, age groups uh, between 18 years to 29 years of age, about uh, you can say the 50% of those uh, young people, which actually the normally the breadwinners of their uh, homes, so so they are actually the most victim of those road crashes. They do not wear the helmet and they drive very fast in the fast lane. They do not have the side mirrors and they always uh, you know the change their switch their lanes and they often the and the victim of the road crashes. Uh, I think they estimated around the 50% of our emergency bed are uh, occupied with the road crash victim. So uh, it costs, it's not only cost to the human sufferings, human road toll, but it also caused uh, indirectly to the GDP uh, of the countries and it lost, uh, we lost around 5% of our GDP in road crashes if we uh, roughly estimate the impact of uh, this all uh, road crash injuries actually. So is the helmet issue more an issue of access to helmets uh, or is it more an issue of uh, acceptance? Uh, do, do these motorcycle riders have the opportunity, uh, the, the affordability, the accessibility to, to helmets, to head protection, or is it, is it just not cultural? I think it's more the cultural thing actually. Uh, affordability, I think uh, more cheaper helmets are always uh, also available, but although they not more much the, have the safety impact, but at least they have some kind of protection. But the most problem is the awareness and the cultural issue, you know, and the uh, hot weather is also there. So young people actually do not like to actually wear the helmet because they say that their hair style actually it influence their hair style unless they have a road crash and the ear injury, uh, they, they will not wear the helmet actually. It, they, they want to be a hero on the road, so they drive fast. So they do not actually wear the helmet actually, that's the problem. The problem is also that the, there is no, not, the parents are not educated and the institutes like the school, there is no education in the school as well. So who will tell them actually? There is no uh, road safety education at any level, not at the homes, people, and the, not in the school, not or at the organization level. So anywhere uh, there is no road safety education. So people do not know about this issue. They only use these, you know, the protection like the seat belt. They wear the helmet or seat belt when they actually they had the crash, when they have actual experience. Otherwise, it's very often you will see the these kind of you know the things the people are using themselves or, or to avoid the fines sometime when there is a in certain part of the year when there is a vigilant enforcement so on those uh, days there is a more little bit uh, helmet wearing rate increase otherwise when there is a less enforcement you will not will see the common trend like, like around maximum around the 10% helmet wearing rates 
so this is the common situation in the urban areas in across pakistan but uh, where is there is a, a highly uh, uh, there is little bit more enforcement like the on the motorways uh, like the motorway uh, in pakistan so uh, there is a uh, there is a maximum compliance to the seat belt wearing rates so there is a quite high rate there but uh, motorways are around uh, around 7 to 8% of total roads but out of motorway there is a very little compliance to the um, these all safety things you know we're in the last week of Ramadan and we're coming up at the end of our time so we certainly don't want to keep you away from your family any longer than we than we asked you to be but before we get going Dr. Tahir is there anything that we missed that you would like to talk about and um, furthermore is there anything or is, are there any resources that our listeners could access to learn more about this topic or to do their part for promoting road safety in, in Pakistan and emerging markets like it? Yes, regarding the resources, uh, they can, the further resources, if you want, they do deeply want to more explore these topics. So you can, they can uh, visit the World Bank uh, Globe uh, Road Safety Facility website and the, uh, the profile of the Pakistan is also available there and also WHO resources like the health topics, road traffic crashes, you will find all the resources on across all five pillars of road safety and also you can also uh, the visit the websites like such as GRSP and John Hopkins Injury Prevention Research Unit and also the CARSQ uh, Australia and these all the leading you know the stakeholders in the road safety and also if you uh, particularly want to visit uh, any website or information regarding the road safety in Pakistan so you can uh, uh, simply you know dial the Road Safety Pakistan, the, the, roads, the, the official website of Ministry of Communication, which is the, actually the, no, the lead road safety agency Pakistan. So you will find the latest road safety information about Pakistan on that website as well. So these are the few resources. Dr. Tahir, I must say that I'm very impressed with what you're trying to accomplish. I certainly admire your tenacity to see improvements in road safety in Pakistan. Obviously, it's going to be an enormous task, and we would love to stay in touch with you in the coming years if you are agreeable to learn how things are going and also to be a resource for you and uh, help in any way that we can. Uh, thank you very much, Tony and Nathan, for taking me on board. I'm very pleased to actually to, to talk with you on the very significant public health and development challenge in Pakistan and all, all over the world, in fact. So I wish that we all took, we all actually come on board to address this global health issue. And I'm, all, I'm always here and pleased to any effort in this regard. I, I would like to speak again with you uh, anywhere, anytime, hopefully in the future as well. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Dr. Mohamed Nafid Tahir, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. And that wraps this episode of the Global Road Safety Podcast. Stay tuned for future guest announcements and drive safely. The Global Road Safety Podcast is sponsored by Smith System, the leader in crash avoidance driver safety training. Follow the Global Road Safety Podcast for new episodes coming soon.